You would never neglect and abuse your children. Make horrible demands of your children. You would never ask. You would never ask your children to do things. Things that children shouldn't do. You would never take disgusting, sick, degrading pictures of your children doing these things. You would never treat your children like animals. guys, welcome back to the Blind Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, it's good to be back. We've actually been on somewhat something of a hiatus, an unannounced hiatus. Someone went to Canada. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I went to Canada for a while, for a, a week, and uh, we had some, some technical difficulties on the back end here, just matching up schedules and stuff, so... Uh, we actually tried to record this episode about a week ago and we didn't get through it all because of some interruptions. Um, so we watched the movie, but we didn't actually get to record the show. We recorded, I think we recorded like what, 15, 20 minutes of it. And then we had interruptions and I, we just basically said, let's scrap that and we'll just restart it because that'll sound weird if we're coming back from it and we're going to be talking about things in the past and it, it just wouldn't work if we, if we use the same episode. So we're here today, and we're we're gonna lay this down uh, fresh for you, and give us give you a fresh take. Um, and uh, we're talking today about one hour photo, the Robin Williams vehicle that uh, is primarily very serious, and one of one of Robin Williams' more serious roles um, in in his filmography. Now he's, he had a few uh, he had a few other films that were fairly serious for him. Um, the other one, primarily being um, the uh, is it Christopher Nolan, Chris, yes. Christopher Nolan, Insomnia. Insomnia, which came out just a few months before this. Yep, um, a very, very, uh, and you you would think like probably if Robin Williams wanted to do more serious roles, you would want to do them in the same span of time. You'd want to be filming them together so you could get in that mindset. Well, you could even argue, um, Goodwill Hunting. You're true. Yeah, I mean, he is like you know does have some comedic moments, but for the most part, the film's very serious, and he does play like a very Kind of, you know, serious role. Yeah, like laid back rather than yeah. outwardly comic. But, um, I would even argue Dead Poet Society. Sure. Dead Poets, yeah, yeah. You know. I, I could see that. Like, it has its, I mean, it does have its lighthearted moments, but it also has its very serious moments. So that that would be one. Death to Smoochie, you could argue some, I mean, it's a black comedy, but it's sometimes. It's, it, that's a criminally underrated movie but i mean i would you, say have you seen it before yeah oh it's oh that's, but, that's edward norton's finest hour right there. i would say like that one is another one where he can showcase like both comic chops especially in a more nuanced role for comedy than just being outwardly exaggerated uh that one's more of a refined comedy black comedy um what else would you say what else do you have do you have anything else that you would consider to be like 
primarily dramatic. I, I guess one, you, the episode of Law and Order SVU, oh, true, he, true. SVU yeah. he was on is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not that big of an SVU fan, I, more of a classic Law and Order guy. But the episode he's on at SVU is absolutely great. Oh, there's another one, The Night Listener. The Night Listener was another one that is kind of in the same vein as One Hour Photo, which we're going to talk about. Um, I saw that one once before a long time ago. Um, but I think, again, that's another one of those very serious Robin Williams roles. He's had a few, um, but primarily he was more of a comic actor. And, and I think that when you think about Robin Williams' output in his filmography... Well, he's also one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all true, time, too. Yeah. If, you have, if you have not ever seen a Robin Williams stand-up, you are doing yourself a absolute terrible disservice. Well, it's interesting because you th- primarily think of Robin Williams as a, a a comedy guy, a guy who makes you laugh. Um, certainly, like roles that come to mind immediately when I think of Robin Williams would be like Mrs. Doubtfire, um, even Genie, you know, his, in, in Aladdin. Uh, but then, when you think about his filmography, the things you really remember are those times where he really stepped outside of the box, like in One Hour Photo. Like that would be a, one of those things that sticks out to me about Robin Williams' career is that he was so good at doing comedy, but he was also very, very good at doing more dramatic and in this case, sort of sad sap uh, characters who, as we'll talk about in one hour photo, you do feel for him. You feel for like where this character is coming from. And then you can also kind of despise the character as well. And I think that's, that is similar to what he did in the night listener as well. Um, now with one hour photo, I saw this film once before, um, a long time ago. Like it had to have been fairly close to when it released, and that's about it. So revisiting this film was pretty interesting to me because I, I mean, I remembered it, but I didn't. You know, once you once you see it once, and then you go to watch it again, there's it's a different experience. You you you're not going to experience it the same way that you did when you first saw it. Uh, had you seen it more than one time? Yes, um, I saw actually. I can remember clearly uh, the first time I saw it. It was right when it came out on the VHS. Um, I don't know why, but it was one of the movies my mom rented one night when I was having a sleepover with a friend. And we happened to watch it. And I, at you know, 13 years old, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I understood the new. I didn't understand the nuance of the film back then, but I thought it was very interesting and intriguing uh, to see Robin Williams in a role like that. Mm-hmm. play. A, not what you're expecting at 13, yeah. obviously. No. Because, <clears throat> um, I mean, one of my first Robin Williams movies would have been Mrs. Doubtfire, for sure. I think oh, absolutely. I think that's probably one of my first Had experiences as a kid. I may have seen... I've the, seen Hook a million times. Yeah. <laughs> I may have seen Robin or um, Mrs. Doubtfire in theaters. No. Came out in 1993. I may have seen... I have... a. A memory of seeing it in theaters. Maybe I maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like I saw it in theaters. Either way, I've loved it ever since I saw oh, it. Your parents did a bad job bringing that. <laughs> That's not too bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one hour photo. Um, I remember liking it when I first saw it, and uh, definitely a different perspective from Robin Williams, but also. In general, the idea of the film is very interesting that uh, you have this sort of person who lives on the outskirts of your life. You know, they they really don't have any 
um, impact on your life per se, day to day activities. But when you're, but someone that you interact with, uh, maybe you know, weekly, monthly, whatever, and they have such a intimate knowledge of your your home relationship. So in this case, in in the when the film was released in two thousand two, we were really on the cusp of breaking into digital media, breaking into the digital photography, where you wouldn't need to have someone at the uh, you know at a supermarket or a Walmart sitting there developing your photos. You you didn't have a lot of film, but it was still present. And uh, I find it really interesting, especially because I didn't. I I mean I I did and I didn't. I didn't live through this era long enough to really have it people developing my film have an impact on me. But the idea that there were all these people who were sifting through your intimate photos, whatever you took on a camera, going through them, developing those pictures, it's kind of interesting when you take one hour photo into perspective that some people might have gotten really attached to you on accident. Um and that's basically the premise of one hour photo that you you've monitored this one family so closely that you've become like ingrained into their family. You almost feel like family when you're not. And I think it's interesting too that we one hour photo comes from the perspective most of the time of Robin Williams character Sai. We for the most part we don't step away from that perspective. We're generally in Sai's shoes and that partly is because he's telling the story and we're basically getting the story from Sai but also you know we're, it it's interesting that we never really step away from his perspective on things especially for uh kind of like a stocky thriller film usually the perspective is from the hunted mm-hmm. and not the hunter yeah the prey yeah um she you knows a very interesting very interesting when it comes to this film um also, too, because it came out in 2002, it's right in that right in that era, like as you were saying, where, you know, digital is starting to ro- come on the rise. For those of you who can't remember, your cheapest DVD player at the time was a PlayStation 2 mm-hmm. or an Xbox, not an actual DVD player itself, you know. And then broadband was just becoming a thing, right? You know, you wouldn't have the... You know, you didn't have the widely extended internet access mm-hmm. that we have now. You most certainly, social media is yeah, not a thing. You most certainly didn't have the social media aspect of oversharing. And you, I mean, in that case, you know that you're sharing. You Most of the time, you know what you're sharing online. Um, like in one of our photos case with developed photos, maybe you accidentally snapped a picture you didn't want people to see. Well, it's on your camera, especially mm-hmm. with like those... Um, cameras that you know were instant cameras, and you, what are you going to yeah, do with just, it? Yeah, disposable you just, cameras. Just that's it. I mean, you get it, get it developed, and it's in there, and and you never really think about it. But all of those those images were sifted through by a technician like Robin Williams in one hour photo, and they got an intimate snapshot into your life that maybe you wouldn't share those photos with other people. Which is funny now compared to how social media and the tech revolution has made like everyone's like, look at all the fucking pictures I got, you know, like, you know, like, look, look at what, you know, like now, now yeah. everyone parades their pictures around. Cause is, like, see, like, look, don't I have the perfect life? Is my ass cheek hanging which, out of that what, bathing suit? Which, oh, post which it. Robin Williams does make a great point in this film. Aside, he says, nobody takes pictures of things that they want to forget. 
They want to take pictures of happy moments, great things that they want to remember. Yeah. And isn't that just like the perfect sum up of today's like obsession with social media, pictures, Snapchat, and all of that? What are you sending on Snapchat besides your dick? You're sending, you know, you're... You're sending, like, pictures to people that, you know, you're like, look at the fun I'm having. Right. Don't you wish you were doing this? Or, like, the idea is to promote the image that you constantly have an excellent life. Yeah. That you're never not having fun. uh, That people should be jealous that they're not hanging out with you. And even if they are not hanging out with you and they're not jealous about that, they're jealous that they don't have, like, the picture, I mean, literally picture perfect lifestyle that you have. And I, I think that's a lot of the reason why, too, like, why this Instagram, um, like, influencers have popped up. Because, in general, they are, t- I mean, it's like your your feed is a vi- vi- window into something that you wish you had. That you were able to go to exotic locales. And, I know. Uh, what, what, what is my Snapchat when I, like, swipe to the far right and, like, see, like, all the, like, the different, like, things to click on? It's, like, just these random people, like, who just, like. Take, like, pictures, like, look at my ass today. Here's my ass in this shot. Like, here's me doing this. Isn't this fantastic? Give me money so Mm -hmm. I can show you, you know, Show you more. I'll do more. I'll go to uh, this fancy hotel and swing on the chandelier. Yeah. Just, yeah, I mean. And which is is funny, too, because there are people who like to just post negative things on, like, social media and, like, oh, life sucks and my life's miserable. But they're not posting pictures about it. They're not, yeah, they're not taking pictures of. All the things that suck and then posting yeah. it. They, they post the pictures when it's like, here's something good that fine. I guess happened. the only time you'd ever like take a bad picture is like for car insurance. <laughs> here's the here's not my bad smashed for, up vehicle. It's not bad for the car insurance though. That's true. Yeah. Like, That's true. Someone's going to derive pleasure out of that. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the car insurance being like, oh, your rates just <laughs> doubled. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, so we're just going to skip the beer talk this week. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. Unfortunately for all the, the fans of beer talk, we really haven't been drinking too much new stuff, and, and that's partially because we haven't really found anything new out lately. Um, we did, I think last time, we did re- start to record something about a new beer that we drank, and I can't remember what it even was anymore. Do you? Nope. Nope, I don't even remember. And... Um, but, uh, uh, you know, other than that, all we really had was uh, I got the Sierra, Sierra Nevada Fall Pack, which has... Nothing fall, really. Yeah, I mean, it has the Tumbler Brown Ale, it has a Vienna Lager, uh, and then the Ruthless Rye and the Torpedo, which I wouldn't even consider Ruthless Rye or Torpedoes to be a fall beer, so... And the Vienna Lager's been in a summer pack. Yep. The Ruthless Rye's been in a spring pack. They don't care. Yeah, and then the, and the, uh, the Autumn one, the Tumbler, they always do, but... What are you gonna do? But that, but that's it. That's all we've had. So nothing new. So you really don't have any uh, any updates for beer. And it's been too damn hot for the Oktoberfest. It's true. Well, you said otherwise. You said I, I mean can't, I can I, can't I can rank. do it anyway. But but it has been quite warm, and I'm I'm happy to see that it's chilling. It's getting chillier. So that's nice. But we're just gonna go. We're gonna go right through into one hour photo. We're gonna. We gotta, yeah, I mean, we got some stuff to talk about anyway. Bringing um, a little Canadian accent with you on that one, photo. Uh, I, I guess, yeah. Whatever, photo. Spend, spending a week in Canada really did that to me, eh? Mm. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go right into it. Mm. I'm just going to... You know what? I do, have a, I do have a beer. What's that? I finally tried, because of your Canadian trip, I oh, was yeah. inspired to get a 12-pack of Moosehead. One of the famed, beautiful horror beers ever. Mm-hmm. From My Bloody Valentine, the original. Yep. 
Surprisingly, not a twist top. Hmm. That really did surprise didn't, me. Uh, didn't go for the twist tops, huh? No. Interesting. And it's like, it was 12 bucks for the 12 pack. Yeah, so. it's pretty cheap, I think. Man, there was, I mean, Moosehead was all around. I mean, in uh, Canada, they had, uh, like, we would see, you know, bush advertisements about and stuff, you know, up mm-hmm. on the... Up on billboards. Well, they had they had um, moosehead ones. So and they have colorful cans for moosehead as well. Oh, do they? Yeah, dark green. Oh, I mean like all kinds of colors. They got like orange. They got like blue. Well, I, oh, I know they have a rattler. Yep. Yep. So you'll be okay there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> little, they've got they've got indigestion. All, they've got uh, they got all different colors of cans. So but no. Uh, so I've been meaning to try it for a while. Just haven't really gotten around to it. And I bought it last week, and I will say it's probably the best macro Canadian beer I've ever had. It's much better than Labatt, and it's a lot better than Molson. Mm-hmm. So I would like to try some, but you drank it all. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was nice and refreshing. I'll have to get some. Like I said, it's not, I, I, not that expensive over here. So gotta find it in cans. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know don't like the bottle. And it's just a bigger pain in the ass to recycle. True, but. No, it's pretty good. I mean, right. not much to say. It tastes like a you know regular Canadian lager, but compared to Labatt and Molson, it's much better. It's crisper, more refreshing. To... Got a lot more of like a flavor uh, flavor profile. I'll have to check it out. But you can tell it it does taste like a Canadian be- you know beer. So yeah, no, I was pleasantly surprised by that. I would actually you know if I could find it in cans, I would make uh you know make that my mixer upper good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. All right, so there you have it. My Bloody Valentine was right. And they mm-hmm. had included Moosehead, as, though it wasn't basically an advertisement. Mm-hmm. I want, is their slogan, there's a moose, loose, a boot, a moose? <laughs> they love that. I know. Our listeners love that Canadian <laughs> accent. Hey. All right, Sorry. so, so uh, we're, yeah, like I said, we're going to go right into one-hour photo, because um, we we got some stuff to talk about. So uh, one-hour photo, basically, we kind of gave the premise, but... We have uh, Robin Williams' character Sai, who works as a photo technician at uh, what's the what's this place called again? The Savmart. The Savmart. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they decided this in the in the film, but uh, Robin Williams works at it, it's supposed to be sort of like a Walmart. I think you're supposed knockoff. To, yeah, like a knockoff of Walmart. They didn't want to go that far and say this is a Walmart center, but well, they would, but they it, to, you know. it basically is. You don't want you don't want like a potential molester working at <laughs> your Walmart in your movie, so. But that yeah the 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 place is called Save Mart, but it's spelled completely incorrectly. Like not even, it's not even. I don't know how you I would get ever, what they were going yeah. for. But I mean S A V then Mart. Yeah, it's, that's like yeah, that's Save Mart. No one is ever gonna pronounce that a like a long a sound for that. Yeah, but I, I mean I get what they're going for. But yeah, Save Mart. <laughs> uh, so he works at Save Mart as a photo technician. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time, like what twenty years, I yep. think they said, and uh, he has been basically developing everybody's film in this. I get the feeling that it's a relatively small town. It's not huge. It's not like a huge city, but it's a uh, looks like a, it could be the suburb and yeah, saw. yeah, but yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, like a small, small suburb on the outskirts. Well, Jigsaw is you know parading around Saw City. You know, we got Robin Williams out in you know. One hour photo. Hiding in a photo technician's boot. Yeah, in the suburbs. 
So he's uh, he's been working on these photos for 20 years. He really takes pride in doing all these photos. And obviously at this time, like we were saying, the film does bring up the fact that in, in 2002, digital photography is really encroaching on film photography. And so there is that overhanging um, terror that regular film photography is going to be replaced with a digital photography sooner or later. So it's brought up in the film and Sai basically says, don't go to digital photography because you're going to put me out of business. And uh, so that's an interesting well, that's little... More, well, that's more of a coy joke he makes to the main family. Um, you know, he's basically telling... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the idea is that don't get a digital camera... First of all, because they're crappier, like you get better. Film. I no, it's it's more. He's making a uh, when he's talking to Nina Yorkin. He's um, basically he's making a one. He's trying. He's making sh- small talk. Two. He's also. It's also if you you know if after you watch the film, it's more. He's saying it because like, well, if you get a digital camera, that means you're not coming here. Yeah, and you're not going to see me. And if that means you know if you're not seeing you know coming here, then I'm not seeing you guys. And I'm not talking to you guys, and I don't get to look at your photos, and then I'm basically cutting out your life. Yep. And from the obsession that we see throughout the film that he has for the Yorkin family, you know. That's something so, that he doesn't want to sacrifice. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think even from that, and that's a very early scene in the film that we, we kind of get that little tidbit mm-hmm. that, you know, don't go to digital photography. And, and Nina is actually kind of just joking about it, really, at that point. Well, People you, keep telling me I need to go to a digital camera. Yeah. Well, like, like, well, like I said. I don't, inferring from what the film said, it's not a major point, and I don't think it's a point that the director's trying to get across. I Like I said, it's more just to look into, especially after you watch the film, about Sai and his obsession with the family. Yeah. Because for Sai, he's a very lonely man. He lives alone in an apartment by himself. He's, you know... Probably, probably, all he probably, had, probably early 50s. Yeah, all he has, really, is, is this he, job. And his little hamster. Yeah, yeah, um, the little hamster. Yeah, he lives in a very bleak and just colorless apartment. He wears very bleak and colorless clothes. He's he dresses in your uh, stereotypical old person garb: the t- beige, yes, beige pleated pants, the those like sand beige colored orthopedic shoes yeah. the you know the white shirt he works in a very sterile place the save mart here is immaculately like the, the Walmart that you know that's how you know it's not Walmart Gary Cole's really it's, keeping it up yeah running a tight up, yeah, yeah running a tight ship because it's very sterile when you see scenes of him walking down the aisles everything is like per- it's like everything's perfect like there's perfect symmetry you know. It kind of reminds me of a, a cross between a Walmart and like what you think of as a, a sterile CVS. Because sometimes CVS can be trashy, but sometimes CVSs can be like very sterile as well. well when you go with to the, the very like, bright lighting. Well, when you go to like a nice one. Yeah, nice, right. Yeah. Exactly. So it reminds me of a cross between those because you got like you, you got your pharmacy, you got your little, you know, you got your little photo photo technician booth. Um, but it does, it does look like, like Walmart back before Supersize took over and you had just basically warehouses with concrete and, you know, yeah. like, have at it, shoppers. Yep. Um, you know, where there's everything, you had every aisle very neatly and 
organized and because that one scene we, when he runs into Bill York and like in the computer section, like right before that, you see he just as a teddy bear on a shelf because it's you know crooked. Every, right. There's a bunch of them down <laughs> the entire aisle, and they're all just like I said, perfect symmetry in those, those shots. And again. I think the cinematography in this film is outstanding and really lends to the theme of the whole film about photography and how looks can be deceiving. Well, yeah, and like uh, with um, all of this tidiness and and, uh, very blandness with Psy, I mean, I definitely would want to kill myself. It's a very very dreary dreary and uh, lonely existence. And then he, for, you know, almost 15 years, he's been... Doing the pictures for the Yorkins, and he yeah. sees their pictures, and they're having birthday parties. He had, they have a son named Jake. They're have like, all the pictures they have are just fun. Their house is wonderful, and they look like they're just the absolute perfect family, like what everyone would strive to be. And we find out as we watch the film, they're not the perfect family. That they have their own problems. Yeah, but the, but the biggest thing, I mean, before we really find out that they're not the perfect family, is even just the idea that, you know, Sai has basically transformed himself into, like, this voyeuristic onlooker who feels like he's in this family. Like, he's he's making extra photos for himself from their pictures, uh, He and he's... And even in the beginning of the film, you really don't get this lecherous quality from... Sai, it's more of like a, a feeling like he needs to be needed. Like he he wants to be needed in some way when he's talking. Because most of our initial interactions with Sai is with him and Nina. So you would think, you would expect from those in, initial ones that he'd be like in love with Nina. Like it would be the female interest part that of he's this infatu- film. That, yeah. yeah, that he's infatuated with. But it's not. He, As, he even says when they're, that first conversation that they're had that they're having and he's she's saying like oh you got that only one shot left on the film roll she's like oh it's no big deal he's like well it'd be a shame to waste it you know and um he takes a picture of himself you know to add to the role and as they're talking about how he you know he's been doing their pictures for like 13 15 years and they're like yeah it's been a long time you know and he's like i feel like i'm you know uncle Cy. yeah you know there's not it's not really it doesn't come across as lecherous at all but it does come across as kind of like yeah, I think that's an inter- I think that's like an important distinction though, because it would be very easy for one hour photo to go the very generic route of saying like size infatuated with Nina, and he becomes a stalker because he's infatuated with this one woman. But it's not that case, and in the film, and especially with uh, writer director um, Mark Romanek bringing this out within the film and in the showcase on Robin Williams it's kind of important that we see Robin from Robin Williams perspective, because that does show us that no, he's not just interested in Nina. It's not about just a love interest. It's about a familial connection between, um, these, yeah, these people, the Yorkins and him. And so that's like all of those little insertions into their life, like him taking the Mm -hmm. photograph of and himself. we see, and we we'll say we see him daydreaming too, of yeah. like you know, going over to the house and being invited inside and taking care of it. It's a very imagining himself in their Christmas picture, like behind their son Jake, like you know, with his hands around the shoulder, like you know, it's like you know, like, oh yeah, this is Uncle Si. There's Uncle Si. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's 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 important that we get these details because it does bring out a sense of 
you know, emotional connection with Sai. In some way, you feel bad for the guy. I mean, obviously he's not super stable, but he, this is a way for him to like get through life without wanting to kill himself. It's par- partially like a connection to something other than his really mundane and bleak existence. And so he has that that's kind of bridging him along. Like, as long as he has this family of people that he can kind of get a snapshot window into their family life, he's, he's okay. But then once the film progresses into that territory where uh, they, he's, he's, they begin to suspect, like, size doing things that really aren't up to snuff within Save Mart's policies, like creating extra pictures that they have on a on the budgetary restriction that they can see. Wow, you know, wh- where's all this film going? What? Why? Why is this? Why don't the budgets match up? Um, at that point, giving away. Uh, yeah, giving a, away a free camera to uh, Jake because he says, you know, there's a special for birthday boys, and it almost in that scene sounds like. He's done that previously, too. Not just with... Because he says free cameras. We've only seen him give one. But there must be a history of giving out free cameras. Yeah, but you would... You, again, going back to Garrett Cole ain't taking, you know, no yeah. shit. Yeah, that's I true. That's find true, it hard to believe he would let, he you know... snap, yeah. s- snap down on the first one that happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's I mean, he, the whole... He, I say, he even... In that first, this, and this is, like, dating back to... Like, again, it, you gotta be, like, our age to remember, like, p- photo size. When he, you know, after Nina comes back to get her pictures, he's like, oh, I did them in 5 by 7 She's like, oh, I want 4 by 6 Right, because they're... He's like, 5 by oh, 7s would be better quality, yeah, yeah, more expensive. Bigger, and he's like, oh, I didn't charge you extra, but it's it's a better picture quality, you know. You, and she's yeah. like, you know. Oh, okay, thank it, you. Like, that just makes me think back to, like, you know, elementary school. Like, okay, it's time for the class photo. And you, you had to give the packet to your parents. What do you want? Like, just the, the fucking wallet? Did you want the portraits? Or did you want, like, the $40 package? It's like 5 by 7 4 by 6 12 by 8 t- shit ton of wallets. So, you know, isn't that, like, such an archaic thing now when you think about it? Like, like oh, yeah. Oh, oh, here's, you know, here's people a picture of my son. They whip out their wallet and, like... Uh, unless people are really photographers or they're getting something developed specifically for, like, a wedding or something like that, you don't really think about picture sizes anymore. I don't. I don't remember the last time I've ever had pictures printed, really. So I never, yeah, four by six, five by seven. No, I, I've never, I, that's something that you don't really even think about anymore. You think, I think in pixels now. I think, uh, tw- you know, 1280 by 700, something like that. You know, I think in pixels. But uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that. And that's, that is dating. You know, especially bit. now that I've watched, rewatched the film, you know, over and over. That's like something that always like, wow, like Jesus, that's. You know, like if a kid, like a thirteen-year-old, was watching this movie, he'd be like, "What the fuck?" You know, five by seven, four by, you know, what, they would, what? yeah, that yeah. would, that would kind of be glossed over. I mean, they would do they get even the gist do of it, when but. you? Wow, oh, that makes me. think. You mean when you take school po- photos now? Yeah, what do they do now? Just send them to your email. No, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Here's, hey, twenty-five dollars. Maybe they do email. still. Do, maybe they do still do the packets like we had, where. You're, you give it to turn your parents your, and turn your head to the left, lift it up slowly, put your hand on your yeah. chin. You know that's a it's a science yeah. on how to do school photos. But yeah, no, like that that just again that, that's one yeah, of the things in the it, film yeah, that but, brings me back. Like wow. Yeah, and then that scenario again, like that's another area where Sai is going to get caught at some point, but giving out these lar- these better photographs. And I think too, even though he's better, because as we see later on, you see in his apartment one of the very 
eerie, sh one of the great eerie shots in the film when we first see him like, in his apartment and he's sitting and he's watching a movie and we see how bleak and drab it is and then you hear this ominous music playing and it's got this low, you know, Dutch angle shot of him sitting in his chair and then slowly pans to one of his walls which is totally blank and white and, you know, drab but at the same time it's got like hundreds of photos from the Yorkins throughout, you know, yeah. Since they started, so it, but it's almost it almost feels like though like when we start the film, it was like an obsession at first to make him you know feel like you know connected and get something out of that like you know feel the what he uh, has a vision of as the perfect family and the perfect life that he doesn't have and that he wants. But it almost seems like from like when we ha first have that interaction, what happens, his obsession isn't just what it used to be. It's now like... Yeah, it's progressed more. It's much, you know, over the past couple oh, of weeks, like it's been stepping up. For sure. Because he probably was, at first, he's probably getting away with making, you know, the extra copies for himself. But as, like, you know, as yeah. it's going on, now he's doing the, like, I'm going to try to, you know... I'll get them better copies. I'll give Jacob yeah. a camera. You know. Yeah, I think we have to. I'll we, buy him the Evangelion unit. You know. Yeah. I think we have to. Uh, yeah, we have to assume that in some way that and, and and as true to life that his obsession has become bigger and bigger. As you know, at, at first, even when you mentioned like his collecting of the photos, maybe he didn't even make copies. Maybe he just took one. One that wasn't really going to be noticed as missing. And then it kind of progressed from there. And then he started making copies. Because you're right, Gary Cole's character does run a tight ship. I doubt that that would be something that would go on for a very long period of time that wouldn't be noticed. And Gary Cole, let's just mention it now, is great in this film again. He is a total prick and the I ten love it. Minute, the ten minutes yeah. he's in it. He is a total prick. I love it. It's a great extension and more serious... Uh, Bill Lumberg. Yeah, Bill, uh, Bill Lumberg, and he even has the name Bill Owens in this. So, you know, there's there is that sort of connection to Office Space, whether he whether they wanted it or not. Um, but he is. I mean, his character in this is great. He does add a little bit of levity to it as well, just because of the I don't know. It's black comedy, I guess. But I find find him to be just a little bit funny as well because of how serious he's really taking this mm. Save Mart. Uh, Shop. I mean, I guess you do. You get, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be like what district manager or something. You gotta take it seriously. But well, yeah, he's the manager. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta take it seriously. But at the same time, you know, it's it's, it's he's still a funny character. I I think he does a great job for the ten minutes that he's in. I do. I do love when he's talking to Sai on you know when Sai's on break and he's like, don't don't you have any, don't you have any time off? Say, right, like, yeah. well, why don't you go to a club med? Which again, whew, let's you know. Not, you know, a little dating back there, you know, Club Med, but... Well, and also just to assume that Cy would have enough money to go to Club Med or something like that for on his vacation work, after working at a photo technician booth for 20 well, years. to be fair, I mean, you've been with a company for 20 years. You're making... Hopefully, You're making, well, not money, but you're making pretty goddamn good uh, time off by then, you know. Hopefully. Not anymore. Not anymore. You can be you can be at companies for twenty years and you don't get shit. Really, my my job you do <laughs> depends on where you work, but that's if you can make it. Right? <laughs> they yeah. make those goals so nice now. It's like uh, let's see if you can make it that long. You know? Yeah, yeah basically. Um, I also do love the one scene too to kind of show size obsession too when the photo tech guy comes in to check the machine and he's you know. Like you know, getting into an argument with him about like a point two. 
0.02 uh, yeah. uh, variation in the blue. Right. And the, he, that guy's like a normal guy is just having none of the shit. He's like, he's like, you call me down for this shit. You know, we don't even, you know, do anything about it until it's like at point, you know, point three, and you're coming down for a 0.02 discrepancy. Because it also shows, too, that, like, Sai, though, he's also obsessed with his... Again, he takes it very serious and personal, and he's a perfectionist. Yep. And he, you know, wants everything perfect. Uh, yeah, like, because I, I guess, like, point zero two in camera terms, like, it wouldn't be noticeable to, like, the naked eye. You probably wouldn't, wouldn't notice it, but to Sai, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. Cares about the customer. Yes. He wants them to make sure they get their money's worth. Uh, so... Yeah, we haven't really dived into the Yorkin family yet, but uh, so the Yorkin family, like we said before, they really, I mean, in their pictures, it looks like they have the perfect life, but they really don't. Um, There's a whole instance of um, Nina really feeling like she's getting nothing out of this relationship with Will. and Played by Connie Nielsen. Yeah. Also known as Hippolyta in the terrible DC movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she feels like she's really not getting much out of the relationship with her husband, Will. And they've kind of, like, drawn, been drawn apart. Uh, Will's been working a lot. And it actually, we find out, yeah, it's not that he's been working a lot. He's been uh, stepping out on his relationship and actually seeing another woman named Maya, played by Aaron Daniels. And uh, that becomes a huge issue because Sai finds out about it. He finds out that... In a in the pictures that he develops for Maya, he finds out that oh wait a second, there's Nina's husband Will in those, and it becomes this sort of almost detective job that he takes on, or like a private investigator where he sets out to take photos of them together and kind of bring them down, bring their bring their uh, their uh, illicit affair down. And I, I like that part too because I think actually Sai is a pretty good private investigator. Although he does follow it way too closely. Yeah, he tails way too closely. But uh, I think it's an interesting element, too, because at this point, we know that Sai thinks that the Yorkins are a perfect family. And so when that happens, when he finds out that uh, actually Will is not... you, And it's at a certain point, too, you're still thinking, like, well, maybe he's just infatuated with Nina. Like, maybe that's still the ultimate motive here. Well, no, because when he first talks to Will, he's... Oh, like he's flabbergasted. Like you're Will York. You're Will Yorkin. True, he is. But still, and, is... and, and Will because he doesn't really come to the store. He's like, who the hell are you? Yeah, you yeah, know, he's like, like you he's know. like, oh, you're the photo guy. Oh, you're the... side the photo guy. But not only that, I, you know, um, there is a little bit. More, I I will say too before going on, Will's got a little bit more. It's a very subtle. I will say a subtle character depth, um, because. It hints at when they when Nina and Will get in their first fight when she calls him emotionally neglectful to him, to her and their son Jake. He's also you know he's like arguing with her too like you know like all you do is you know spend you know my our goddamn money because they live in a fucking beautiful house yeah. with like every modern wonder of two thousand two shoved in there. That's true. It is a very well. I mean, it's definitely a two thousands modern house, but it but. It's nice. It's very nice. Yeah. And she, she's a stay-at-home mom. Yep. Um, but, like, he's, like... So there's, a, there's the some su- resentment there. Yeah, I was saying, so, like, you know, his subtle character depth is, like, you know, he's resentful, like, he's working his ass off, she's just pissing the money away, 
yeah. you know, on, you know, all this crap that he probably views isn't needed. And he, you know, he feels distant from her just from, you know, how like they both are living their lives at that, you know. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I think that the film really shies away from any sort of sympathy towards Will, for sure. Well, no, I no, I agree. I'm not saying he's a likable or good person, but yeah. you can from that first interaction that they have, you can see like, all right, this is why he's probably cheating right now. Yeah, is because there's a stress on the relationship. Yeah, that's that he's causing he it. feels resentment for you know yeah these reasons, and she resents you know doesn't doesn't really care for him at the moment because he's neglectful of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the the overall the though the the thing that I found interesting because even at that point though you're st- I I was still thinking a little bit like well there's possibility that there's still that sense that Sai wants to kindle a romance with Nina but at that point it's not it's really more about him being super torn up about this fact that this this perfect family that he's been monitoring for years and years has been hiding this darkness in their relationship that he didn't know about and. It's less about getting, you know, any sort of relationship with Nina and more about exposing it so that they can fix the relationship. And at that point, you can just see the the wall sort of crumbling with Robin Williams' character. And Robin Williams does a great job at this, of really starting to become a little bit unhinged. Because he loses his job, he finds out about this, um, this affair, and that facade of being okay in his life because he has this perfect family which as i was say as we mentioned too while watching it gary cole not so smart when he's like you're fired finish out the week yeah yeah <laughs> well who's gonna finish out the week at this job that they just got fired at not me you not know what my me. job says when you put two weeks in they just send you home they and sent- they they don't have you come back yeah yeah i know but i it, like I I would not finish out the week. That that's just me. But well, especially if I had the like PTO time saved up, where they're, just, gonna, where they're gonna cash it out. Just yeah. like, all right, all right, I'll use it. Yeah, but, but no, if, Gary Cole does make a good trade. And if you fuck anything up, you know I'm gonna make your life a living hell. Yeah. But you know, I mean, still, like, man, like that kind of makes me think of like something that would happen in the fifties. And you're fired. You gotta finish the week out though. And it's like, well, you know, because I'm a good person, I'll still show up and do my job earnestly. You know, I'll hitch up my slacks and I'll yeah, yeah. I'll do the job. But maybe, maybe you know, someone else will see that. Like, oh, wow, you know, you yeah. got fired and you took it well. You said you still worked hard for the best. <laughs> there you go. I do think though that this is really the part when we get to that. You know, the the final moments of one hour photo. I mean, not even the final, but, but probably the last half hour. Where we see Robin Williams really shine because that's the time where he gets to act very unhinged. So we've had this kind of personal bond with him throughout and he's an emotionally compelling character. Uh, Certainly has his pathological issues, but uh, we kind of, we have a a feeling, an emotion shared with him, a bond. And uh, so you get to this point and now he becomes like very unhinged. He's following people in their cars. He's taking photographs of them. And you can see this threatening uh, Gary Cole by spying on, which yeah. that's awesome. Threatening when, him yeah. when he, you know, goes and stalks uh, Gary Cole's daughter and takes, you know, yeah. pictures and turns it into a flip book of her, like, you know, playing in the yard. Yeah, know? that's, he's really putting his skills to use. And then like how he just masterfully kind of maneuvers around the hotel and sets, you know, to trap Nina and uh, Will, I mean, not Nina, uh, Will, and, Will and Maya in the hotel. 
You're right. He would have been a great. He should have been a private eye. Yeah, you know, that's he, what he should have been in. But I like this whole idea that you have this guy who's been so enraptured with a perfect family, seeing all the best things in people, and then you have this very literal change. That's both, you know, it's a metaphor for life that you, there's these things that are hidden that people don't see, and maybe you didn't even see. And all of a sudden, things turn to shit, and he can't handle it. And he can't handle it because he's been also living this perfect life with them. He's been putting himself into those shoes, and that crumbles, and so he starts to break down. I believe the word you're looking for is uh, he's just living vicariously. Yeah, he is. He's living vicariously through this through this couple and this family. Um, so then at the end of that film, uh, when he's telling the story, we get this really chilling recount of... Him forcing Maya and Will to do various sexual acts on each other while he while he he f- has his camera with them, and so the expectation really is that he's been taking pictures, pornographic pictures of them, forcing them to do these things, and then at the end when you see the photos that he's always wanted to see throughout this whole thing as he's been interviewed by the police. So that's a flashback. Yep. Which is I, I will say though a contrived method of storytelling for the most part. Works here. Mm-hmm. It does work, uh, you know, as a police, you know, as a police interrogation. True. And I do like the fact that the police are like actual detectives, you know, not stereotypical movie cops. Like, what the fuck did you do, you sicko? They're like, you know, they're yeah, they're giving him the room to tell his story. Yeah, like, basically, like, they legitimately want to know. Yeah, like, Sai, what what was going on? What happened? Tell yeah. us, you know, what happened. And I think that changes too, because, like, as I said, when we get to those photos and you see what the photos are. They're pictures of general things in the hotel room. They're not... It's like a picture of the corner wall of the hotel. Picture of the bathtub pole. A chair. Yeah, a chair. And so it's more compelling, I think, than just having... I mean, that... So do you think you took the actual pictures, or do you think they're just... No. Just no film in the... No. Actual camera. He... I don't think he took the pictures at all. I think he was... Making a point, basically. That, you know, and that's, I think that's really the most impactful moment of the film is that he forces them to do that, doesn't take the photos, and in that sense, makes it so that they're useless. They, like, it doesn't matter what they're doing. He doesn't, he doesn't need that. He just takes mundane photographs. And he's traumatized. Because it's worse. Yeah, because it's worse. Because we want to say, and they're... That's another nice thing, too. I mean, it's not nice, but they show that, you know, they're both traumatized from this. You know, when the cops get into the hotel room, Maya's, you know, sitting in, you know, the bathtub with the shower head running, you know, you're very stereotypical, stereotypical like... Uh, sitting in the you know, running to, water. To clean yourself of, like, yeah. the you know, the thing that just happened, which is a cliche that I'm not fond of, but it does work here, you yeah. know, for the circumstances. And Will just kind of sitting on the bed shell-shocked at what the hell just happened. Yeah. And you may be asking, well, how the hell did Robin Williams get these two to do that? Well, he, you know, broke in, slammed the door in Maya's face and broke her nose in the process, which, you know, that was pretty clever. And he had a knife with him. He had a hunting knife with him. Yeah, which he stole from Save Mart. Yeah. Which apparently Save Mart also has large knives. It is a Walmart. <laughs> um, But yeah, I think that's a, it's a really compelling moment. It's, it's where the film really comes together. Again, with that photograph, the photo, the whole idea of photographs and of not taking pictures of things that you don't want to remember. 
And that's basically it right there. And it's also what we get at the end of the film for size explanation, which we played at the beginning of the episode of his past trauma that isn't really explicit, but is fairly well implied by his, what he's saying to the police officer. He's not saying it directly. He's not saying I would, I had pictures taken of me when I was younger, but the implication is that that's what happened. And he's saying you wouldn't do that because you're a regular, you know, you're, you're a good person, but someone did that to me. And so I think that the, the whole idea of one hour photo is very interesting. You, Sai is not really a villain in the sense you would generally expect from a film. Um, he's more of an anti-hero in a sense in this film, because that's who we follow throughout the entire thing. And it's almost, you're almost like sympathetic to him. Like, you know, you don't need to do this. You, 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 you don't have to do this. You have more to live for. And, and that's arguable, I guess, because really the film shows that no, he doesn't losing his job and losing out on this perfect family. What does he have to go back to? His hamster. You do it well. You you're doing a great anti-suicide. You, you I know, know right? Like, I, I would love to have you be a call, you know, call person. For no, that. I wouldn't be a good one. I wouldn't be a good one because, yeah, I mean, in some ways, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to. You'd be that person, in scary movie, when the co- uh, principal's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump," and like, "What are you waiting for?" I, I mean, I guess I, I wouldn't be able to say a lie. Like, well, you do have a lot to live for. You know, you, you got. F- Four walls and a shitty job. I guess you've got it going on. You live in the suburbs of Saw. Yeah. No, I mean, it is tough. It's a tough thing because, like, you can understand his plight. You can understand what's, what's, why he's really got nothing else besides these photographs. And we see that more, too, because there's several times where he has pictures of other people. Like, he buys, you know, a photo, like, a a nice old photo that he sees at, like, a, a... at a thrift sale, and he like someone asks like, "Oh, who's that?" He's like, "Oh, that's my mother." Yeah, because he's you constantly know? reinventing. Which, which his... I told you too. Like one of the things I want to do is like go to like a, like Target and buy the pictures frames and keep the stock photos in there. Like have them all around my apartment. And people are like, "Oh, what's that?" I'm like, well, man, this is the one time it wasn't me, but this this is my this is my friend and his girlfriend. This is the magical adventure they went on you know, <laughs> when I was sitting at home, and I can tell you about it though. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways it's it's. Yeah, it's the same. He's reinventing his identity, his, his identity constantly because he doesn't. It's partially because he doesn't want to remember what happened, and he doesn't have any memory, and he has, doesn't have any pictures of it because that was a bad time in his life, and you don't take pictures of bad things. So it all kind of wraps around, and I think one hour photo does a really good job. I think the only thing that I would really say is that it's a little bit dated now. Like you definitely see the two thousands film editing and and um uh sort of just the camera work that you would see from a early 2000s film but but that's about it i think it's actually a really i I think i would disagree yeah i think the cinematography in this is very good the cinematography is good the actual i would say where i I think the shot construction is i think and the way it's shot is good the only thing i would say that makes it dated is its color use yeah right exactly which sort of the oh, like use of like overuse of like blue hues and sometimes you know green. green. However, I will say though it works in this film. Why? Because what's a photo tech you know 
co- colors that are used to make everything red, blue, and green. Yeah. So those sh- the fact that certain scenes have a certain hue to them, it works. Yeah. Um, I haven't you know I've seen this film a thousand times, but that's something I haven't really broke broken down yet. So maybe that's something I have to watch and see like what scenes do they use certain colors for. You know, to kind of, like, you know, what's the motif going on with that? That's something I, now I just thought of, like, I'll have to do later on as, like, a... Yeah, well, the, I mean, the red is really only used for the red, red room. You know, the There's red, a few shots where... But, like, uh, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I don't didn't really notice that too much in terms of, like, was there a pattern? I think, if but, anything, you got to be mad at New Yorkin's fucking Spice Girl pigtails all around looking at them all. Her haircut, her yeah. dated hair. Well, no, like the the re- her regular haircut was fine. I think that looks lovely. And the nice little bob, yeah, just got going on. Yeah, yeah, but the pig, but the, the, the skew pigtails, yeah. yeah, that was terrible. I don't but know what no, she had. Was going and that, for that lovely long baggy sweater, nice, you know, like sweater. Oh yeah, no, nice little cardigan. Or I, I love, yeah, thirteen year old me loved that, and twenty eight year old me still loves it too. I think. I mean, I think that just. It is a little dated, but it, it still holds up. And I think, like we were talking about, the idea of someone being so enraptured with your life is still a possibility today. Well, we've seen other films that have come out in the past couple of years. Yeah. I don't remember their names, but those terrible social media films. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have those where you, you still have that sort of stalker aspect. And now it's arguably easier. You don't have to be a photo technician and it, that's working somewhere. You can just be an online per user and perving through people's Facebook pages until you find someone that really sticks out to you. And then you constantly have a stream that you can go back to. And at a certain point, well, it's even, the well, stream becomes too too little. Well, You're not, not getting like, enough from it. I'll say, well, not like that. Now you have the whole... I didn't know what this was until like a week ago. Sliding into DMs. Yeah. Didn't know what the fuck that was. Who calls like their message box DMs? Never, direct messaging. You've never heard that's of that? Like an, that's a term from like the night. Wow. 90- no. Because no. no. We, we want- know how much Tindering Martin does. No. Here's the reason why. Well, because what am I going to Tinder? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What am I going to Tinder out in a farm a farm town? Yeah, Nothing. True. A goat. No. Because nobody, I didn't know people still called it direct messaging. That's a that's a term from like back like yeah I don't think the they early, do when, I I mean the, people what, wouldn't use direct messaging anymore but they do I mean they do they, abbreviate it to DMs no that's what, so that's what I'm saying because it's like that's something like when I was like a teenager on right, forums like a forum, yeah. yeah like oh send me you know send me a DM send me a direct message that's why I found it weird because like really you call your Facebook messenger a little, little dated yeah like the DM part of it does sound dated yeah that's yeah. that's why yeah I gotcha I so gotcha. that's why I was like really you know. Because like, yeah, we, we talk a, about Facebook Messenger all the time and how it pisses us off yeah. and it's annoying. It's like, but, it. but the DM thing is a good example because, you know, more more, more so women, but there's the obvi- the easy way to just receive these messages from random strangers that you don't know. And because they've, they've had this constant access to your life or whatever pictures you're taking of your life that are showing this perfect life... Um, they feel like they know you in some way. And that's exactly what one hour photo does, just with a more dated concept of uh, film cameras rather than the digital era that we have now. But yeah, you're right. There have been um, movies that have done this in the past. I don't know that they've done it to the particularly good degree that one hour photo does. Um, I don't think they're as strong, but they they do. They have been in the 
limelight in the past. Um, do you have anything else that you want to add to one hour photo before we give a rating to it? Anything you want to say? Yeah. Um, besides Robin Williams, who is absolutely a delight in this film, he plays a very great, just manic, stressed out man in this film. What do you think of the rest of the cast? Um, we, talk, we talked about him and Gary Cole. Yeah. Um, as manager Bill of the Save Mart. I think that a lot of, I mean, a lot of the cast is really just secondary anyway. I think Robin Williams is the main main focus of this film. But I think that um, Connie Nielsen does a pretty good job of what we see with her. Um, she's probably the next main person in this film besides Robin Williams. Um, I think Michael Vartan is really kind of absent throughout the film as as well. So we don't get that much. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's very emotive in this film. See, right, Owen Wilson. Yeah, but 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 I think I mean like he's he's okay for the part. But I, I probably you know now I probably would have picked somebody else. Um, the kid Jacob, not really a non-entity. Not even gonna not even gonna bother with that. You know, one. I I will say for a child actor, he's better than most. True. Yo, yeah, a little too intellectual, especially like when he was talking to his mom about how he said, you know, thinks size lonely, and Nina's asking, him, "Why do you think that?" You know, and he's like, "Oh, because of just how he acts and all that." And she's like, "No, he's probably got a girlfriend and all that." And that's another great transition too when she's like talking about, "No, he's probably got friends and family. We don't know that." And then you, sh- they, you know, flash to him sitting in his apartment alone by himself. Yeah, and we get to see how drab and dreary it is. You know. I think I think for you know Dylan Smith as Jacob, he's for like I said for a child actor he's pretty good because I didn't find him annoying at all, like in abrasive. Like I do find like I find most child actors. So that, you know I would say that's that's a plus for me. Uh, Aaron Daniels as Maya eh, could take her or leave her. She's boobs. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. Again, she's not really a focus. She's just kind of there. Could be anybody, and it, it would serve the same purpose. Um, I actually did like the character, the sub side character Yoshi, because he genuinely seems to have a very upset reaction to his coworker uh, Sai getting fired from his Save Mart position. And he's like, "Just thank you for all that you taught me." Like everybody in this photo technicians booth is taking Phototech very seriously, and I like that. I well, that scene's also great too because Robin Williams has like the. When most people get fired and they don't think they should get fired, like this is fucking ridiculous, this is bullshit. Robin is like, and Yoshi just letting you know today's my last day. <laughs> yeah. I have been terminated. And Yoshi's <laughs> like, what? And they yeah. fired you? And he's like, yes, Yoshi, they fired me. It's a terrible thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a very serious, yeah. solemn m- moment. Yeah, he's, like, yeah, he's not very emotional about it. He's just kind of giving the news. Uh, today's my last day. Yeah, and he like gives him a handshake, yeah. and he's like, it's been a pleasure to work with you. And Yoshi's like, it's been a pleasure, you know, working, yeah. you know. I like that, but I, I like I like Yoshi. Yeah, no, he's he's only in it for a few minutes, but I like him. You're right; they are the characters are ancillary. Oh, sure, they're they're, they're, they're really, totally just most there of them to are, to fill out the story. They're there to interact with Sai for the most part. Yeah, and um, again, that's fine. Yeah, like I said, because again, I think Robin Williams' performance in this is such a literally. A powerhouse performance, and you don't need anything so else. dynamic. Everyone, yeah. you literally could have cardboard cutouts and Gary Cole, and you know, yeah, it's still great. Which basically they kind, you know, you're right. Connie Nielsen's outside of 
Robin Williams and Gary Cole, the only other one that's kind of important to the. To but us. even still, yeah. she's pretty wooden too. Sure, and I think that's and that mainly has to come along with the fact that you know she's living a sham of a marriage right now and true feeling em- she has she's she's, feel, she's feeling empty on the inside too. It'd be kind of nice to see what. You know, like how her day to day is going. Like, I gotta go fucking grocery shopping for this <laughs> asshole now. He wants, you know, hollandaise sauce, and I hate eggs Benedict. This is, I'm sick of this shit. The only other one that I want to bring up is uh, the guy who comes in. He's the photo tech repair guy. So that's played by Nick Searcy. He's in Justified, and that's the only. That's it. He's great because he's pissed off. Yeah, he is. Really... He's he's. You're don't you fucking call me out here again for a point two. Be like calling like your Terminex guy, like I saw an ant. And yeah, he's like, "Yeah, you fucking kidding me? Call me when they're crawling all over the place." You, you saw, know, you saw one ant. Yeah, <laughs> but you probably brought it in <laughs> yourself. Yeah. Um, score. I think you know. Fun fact: Nine Inch Nails originally did the score. They originally did the score. They didn't use it. Oh, okay. Well, that uh, that actually does not surprise me that much because Trent Reznor has gone on to do a lot of things like The Social Network. He scored. Uh, so he's been doing a lot more of the sort of ambient music scores, and that's kind of what I, ex- you know, what is one hour photo, but an ambient score going on. There's, there's not like a lot of things that are drawing your attention to the score. It's not really. It's very quiet. Yeah, it's not the main focus. Which I, that's another thing too. Uh, first time I saw it, I was thirteen, and it was very striking about the, this film. It's one of the first ones I ever saw. It's very quiet, low key, low tempo. Not a lot of. Yeah. Lot, not a lot of background noise. Yeah. Very, you know, and that's why I like it when you know the score kicks in. Like when Robin Williams is running out of the hotel and he's running down, you know, yeah, the parking lot. It's like goes from like a slow like do 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 do, and then like as he's like you know he's getting closer and closer to being caught, it starts to build and swell. Yeah, but for the most part, the music's just very you know very low key in the background, kind of like just like this little heartbeat going throughout. Yeah, yeah, it like is. That, you yeah. Know, so yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I think that probably I would like to hear Nine Inch Nails version of it. Or they did. Re- I think they released it on some EPs. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. But I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking it was mostly more Trent Reznor that was composing don't. it. Um, but yeah, it would be. I mean, I can't imagine like a very nice industrial score to this one, like like a Nine Inch Nail actual Nine Inch Nail song, but. Um, they're, you know, when he's, they're, he's threatening Maya and Will, he's like, I'm going to put some music on. He starts playing, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't see that. But I, I think the score is pretty good. It's, like I said, it's not really something that you're supposed to notice anyway. You're not, I mean, except for those scenes that you talked about, you know, the ones that get tense. Um, yeah. I will say too, I also really like the scene where Robin Williams is going through like his, like, his typical customers and people that he knows. So, like, when he's talking about, like, the late old lady that just takes pictures of her cats, you know, which is how, what foresight this film had, you know, about what the internet would develop into. <laughs> just pictures of cats, cats and yeah. dogs, yeah. Um, the, the insurance claims guy who's just got pictures of, you know, smashed in cars, amateur porn, you know. Yep. Um, oh, they they knew what they were doing. Which no, but I, I mean, I just like that because someone who's worked in worked in retail for five years, it's like, yeah, I had a shit ton of regular customers. I you know, no, there's people I work with now at my current job that I used to you know work uh, serve at the steward shop I used to work at. I can still remember right now like uh, the lotto numbers they play and the cigarettes they buy. 
Yeah, because you'd know them from like lottery dude, cigarette dude, yeah. guy who gets coffee every day. Yeah, and what they would get. Yeah, so yeah, you know, that's a nice little. You know, again, nice little connection right there. Yeah, I will say because we didn't bring it up, we slightly mentioned it too. Because um, we're both Evangelion fans. Yeah. Well, I guess me more so than you. I just found it funny. What I mean, I didn't re- know that reference when I first watched the film because I didn't watch Evangelion until I was like. 18, 19 years old in college. And I just found funny how Robin Williams, an Avang- actual fan of Evangelion, and that was his actual action figure. I just found it funny that like a 13-year-old kid is like, I got this, uh, I wanted to buy his Ava unit. Uh, we've seen the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, that kid that probably wouldn't, would not have seen that show. No. Because the they, they only aired one episode. Maybe he just, maybe he just saw the he didn't get his info right. He's like, "This is a good guy, and he kills yeah. bad guys." He's like, no, that's that's a bad. That's one of the things that tears Oscar's unit into like in half and impales it. And yeah, an end of Evangelion. Are you sure? Are you sure you watched that? The kid opening, didn't know what he's talking about. Opening scene has a kid masturbating on a girl who's comatose. Are you sure you watched that? <laughs> Maybe Cy brought him over. Like, hey, I, yeah, wow, got this. You know, what an old concept too. Going to the store to buy action figures. Toys R Us is now out of business. Not in Canada. It's thriving. <laughs> it is. It's thriving in Canada. They moved all their stores to Canada. I'm not even joking. Yep. I went to a Toys R Us when I was in Canada. It's popular. All right, so we should give uh, one hour photo a rating. Um, out of... Ten... I don't know. Out of out of ten disposable cameras, what would you give one hour photo? I'll give it a nine out of ten. Um, it's one of my favorite films of all time. Leading up to this episode, I did say that. Um, it's a film I one of the films every year I kind of make sure to at least watch once. Um, I think Robin. It's Probably my favorite performance by Robin Williams. He's one of my favorite actors and stand-up comedians of all time. Um, I think he does such a terrific job in this as playing a quiet, uh, obsessed man in kind of a way that you don't, you really don't get to see in films. Kind of see, you know, their own perspective, their own obsession, how they feel. Because again, like I said, most of these films take place from the perspective of the person who's being stalked. Um. I, th- I think he's just terrific in this. He's really relatable, and you know, you can, like you said, you can relate to him. You can, you know, relate to his loneliness, whether you've ever experienced it or not. You can be like, I, you know, yeah, I understand, like, you know, why he's the way he is. Though the film's kind of is vague in all sorts of ways about it, which you know leaves it to your imagination, which is good. Um, I think the casting overall is pretty good. Like I said, they're all ancillary, but I think they're all pretty good. Gary, like I said, Gary Cole and his ten minutes is just great. Is um, I love the way the film shot. I think it's beautiful. I think it's shot. I think they put a lot of effort and thought into the way they shot this film, especially with the whole photo motif going on throughout it. It'd be pretty bad on their part if it wasn't shot well. Um, I just think it's a very interesting story and it's very good. I will say. I almost kind of wish, in a way, I mean, it's only an hour and, like, 30 minutes, um, 
And he does a lot in that hour and 30, but it'd almost be nice if it was like maybe like 15 minutes longer, get a little bit more background on certain things. You know, like what's, you know, like a little bit more about Nina and Will's relationship and why is it strained and why is he with Maya? Is it just like a fling? Is it just some random girl that he's just fucking on the side or is it he got like a romance kindling with them? You know, a little bit more about Robin Williams' backstory, you know. I think, that, you know, it'd be nice to see a little bit more from this film, like a little bit longer. I think it could actually benefit from a lengthening of the runtime. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I like it a lot. Yeah, I'd give it a nine as well. I think it's really good. I think Robin Williams does a really great job. I like the storyline quite a bit, and I like the idea of this person who's kind of got this window into another life a perfect life that kind of destroys him once he finds out that it's not as perfect as he thought. And that destruction is more apparent because he also did not have a perfect life growing up. So um, he was hoping that someone would. So I, I like that. It doesn't really go in the same direction as what a normal thriller would do in, in, with this type of storyline where you'd have a stalker who was mostly interested in the female protagonist. Uh, um, some sexual desire. Right, exactly. That's that's not the case in this film, and so that, and I like how it's all set from size perspective because you do have a lot of that opportunity to build a relationship with Sai and then feel a little let down with him at the end of the film because he does things that you don't want him to do, and you you have this emotional connection, but it also is tough because you, you have sympathy, but you. You, I mean, I guess you wouldn't really condone what he did. He does at the the end of the film, or maybe you do. Maybe that's maybe the question really is open there to say like, well, no one is really a good character here. So, what 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 you know? What was the uh, what was it a good thing that he did? Was it a horrible thing that he did? Where do you come off with that final message? And so. You, you know, you kind of have that, that question lingering at the end of the film as well. So I, I like it. I think it's a thought-provoking film. I could also say, too, that may, maybe, like, the emotional sympathy you feel for him could be misplaced. Right. You know. Right. right. Because it's it, you have to remember it all is coming from Sai's perspective. So Sai is relaying this story to us. So who knows? Could it, be a... Is he unreliable? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always that, too. So uh, the whole thing is nice and thought-provoking. Dark and dreary. And I like that. Dark and dreary is some of my favorite films. So Yeah, there's no happy ending. Very dour. Yeah. Very. Exactly. Um, I like that. I do too. Well, yeah, no, I definitely think too, like, it'd be nice to see a little bit like an extended cut of this. See, you know, what got left on the cutting room floor and see maybe some of the backstory that they could have put into it. Yep. Um and two, it's a film that, even though it's dated in some aspects technology-wise, the message is still very poignant, especially with our social media being so ing- and technology being so ingrained into how we portray ourselves online, you know. Yep. All right, so uh, that concludes our episode on One Hour Photo. Next time on the show, we're going to probably be launching into our Halloween episodes, our Halloween series for September and October, because it's going to take us that long. We haven't announced what our series is. Well, you better now. I'm not going to. They're going to have to find out the day <laughs> that we post that episode, because, or I guess probably a couple days in advance, 
but I, I don't want to. I don't want to pre-announce it. We'll let them take a guess as to what we're going to be doing. Mm. But we're coming back weekly. Yep. <laughs> For the Halloween season, we will be back weekly. Because we are going, like I said, we're going to need to in order mm-hmm. to cover everything that we have planned. So check back next time. It won't be, it'll be in two weeks. Because we yep. st- we'll start at the beginning of September. Uh, and then we're going to go straight through to the, the end of Halloween. So that will be a lot of fun. Will it also be difficult like Saw was? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not as bad. We'll see. We'll see. You know, to be honest with you, it's been like three years since I've watched all those films. So. It yeah. might be time for me to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So we will see you in two weeks for the start of our Halloween series. And uh, until then, thanks for listening. Um, check back into our previous Halloween series when we did Saw. And uh, we'll see you then. We didn't do that last year. No, not last year. Last year we did um, a series of films right we just did remake Halloween. oh yeah it was remake Halloween. that's right wow i've forgotten i've forgotten all the stuff that we did uh, saw was two years ago wasn't it wow uh, damn that was a long time some ago. some gatekeeper you are i know god damn all right so go back and listen to our remake Halloween episodes and, and then the saw series or both you know, you yeah listen to both you why because we're, we're entertaining and then after that come back and join us in two weeks for our new halloween series All right. All right. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Take care.